0: All right. Well, last time I sh- shared, uh, before I went going to Uganda, I was talking about the law and how um, the law of Moses, we were never intended to be under the law of Moses. Gentile believers weren't intended for that. It was intended for the Israelites. And I showed you, this it's clearly seen in, in uh, Acts 15. In Acts 15, the leadership of the, of the church got together, the, the elders, the apostles, the deacons all got together for a meeting and they discussed if, the, if these new Gentile believers need to be circumcised and if they needed to follow and obey the law of Moses. So it says in there, after much discussion, after much debate, they came to the conclusion that no, they do not need to be circumcised and no, they don't need to go under the law of Moses. And you can read this whole thing in uh, Acts 15. So God has a reason for doing the things that he does. Like even in our own bodies, how he designed you. Your hands, your fingers, your, your whole body is designed with a certain purpose in mind. So if God didn't intend for the Gentiles to be under the, the law, what was the purpose of the law? What was he intended purpose for that? So everything that we create, whether it's you know, a chainsaw or we create, you know, uh, whatever we do, an invention that humans make, it has a purpose or intention behind why it was designed. For example, the person who designed the hammer had something very specific he had in mind he wanted to do with that hammer. All right? So it probably was from years of banging his thumb with a rock or banging his thumb with a stick or whatever he used to try to get this nail in. And uh, it was, he had a reason for building it. Same thing with a shovel. After years of digging with your hands and digging with your boot or whatever they were doing to dig with, they designed a shovel. Now you could use a shovel for a hammer and you can use a hammer for a shovel, but it's not going to work very good because that's not its intended purpose. You know, if you have a you have a sure a hammer, you could dig a hole with a hammer. You could, but it's gonna take you a lot longer than it would with a shovel, wouldn't it? And you could pound a nail in with a with a shovel too, but it's not gonna be go it's gonna probably bend that nail up pretty good and the guy who's holding it for you, they're probably gonna get whacked pretty good in the hand or the head or something as you're holding it. It wasn't the purpose for I guess to drive in nails. With a shovel, or dig a hole with a hammer. And the same reason, same thing goes with the law. Some people have used the law like a hammer when it was never been, was designed to be used as a hammer. It was designed to be used as a compass. And if we use if we use the law for its wrong intention, for its wrong purpose, it's going to bring bondage instead of freedom. It's supposed to lead us to something. It's pointing to something like a compass. So I want to go through today and show you why Lo- Mo- Moses. Uh, was given the law what the purpose of the law is because if we don't know it can really hurt us and i would say most of the church world half or more i would say, my guess is do not really know the purpose of the law because they probably never thought about the question they assumed the law was given to make us righteous when the bible clearly says it was not given to make us righteous and it clearly says that no one was ever declared righteous in god's sight by observing the law that was not the purpose, but in a lot of churches, that has been the purpose, and I think every one of us probably grew up in one where that they had a mixture of law and grace, or maybe it was just, just law, and we're we still recovering from it, to be honest, some of us, you know, right? We have to unteach, unlearn some things. So why was God, uh, why did God give the law to Moses? Romans 5.20 says, the law was added so that trespass might increase. In Romans 3.20, it says, Therefore, no one will be considered or declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So why did Paul and the Holy Spirit say this? He said this because people have believed for generations that they become righteous or earn right standing with God by obeying the law. They've been taught that. I've been taught that. You've been taught that. You're going to lose your salvation if you don't do all this, if you don't do all that, and don't do these things. And we've taught these things, and it's brought confusion to the gospel message when it was never the purpose of the law in the first place. The Bible clearly said here, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Moses wasn't. Abraham wasn't. How was Abraham considered righteous? By faith, right? It's very clear in the Bible, amen? So the law was added so that the knowledge of sin would increase, or so our understanding of our sinful condition would increase, and we'd have a revelation of our spiritual nature and how we need a Savior to fix this problem. That's the purpose of the law. It wasn't ever to make anyone righteous. So Romans uh, 7.12 says, The law is holy, and its commands are holy, righteous, and good. So there was nothing wrong with the law. There was something wrong with us, and we didn't know it. There was something wrong with the Jews, something wrong with the Gentiles. There was something spiritually wrong with our condition, but we had no awareness of it. The Jews had no awareness of it. So, um, so God gave them law to help reveal this spiritual condition. Amen. You know, after Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they're the only couple that we know of, unless they had children before the fall. We don't know. It doesn't say that they did or not. But they're the only couple we know of that felt what it is like to be spiritually alive and spiritually dead. Everyone born after them felt spiritual death they had no revelation of what it was like to be spiritually alive, so the knowledge of spiritual life started to fade and fade and fade into history because they didn't know and so they're growing up thinking that they're spiritually alive or they're the favorite of God, the righteous of God, that they're Jews so they're highly favored in that and there is truth in that, but they were at the same time they were absolutely spiritually dead because they were not in Christ that had been hadn't been uh, given yet so look at what happened. Um, well, the Bible says happened to us after the fall. Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead in transgressions and sins. Colossians 1.13 says we were given over to the powers of darkness. Uh, Ephesians 2.2 says we were sons of disobedience and our ruler was Satan. They had no idea. We were children of wrath. We were powerless and ungodly. We were God's enemies and we were hostile towards God and unable to submit or please God. There are many verses there. This was our spiritual condition after the fall, and no one knew it except for Adam and Eve. They probably told their children, and then after a while, it just faded away, and faded away, and faded away. They did not know they were spiritually dead. They were dead in their transgressions and their sins, and nobody knew it. So God gave the law to help reveal our spiritual condition and 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 the knowledge of our need for a Savior. So that was a point... That was God's point in giving the law: was to show that we needed a Savior, and we are law, we're lawbreakers without His help. I want to show you this in Acts fifteen. It says, "Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the necks of the disciples, talking about the new Gentile disciples, uh, whether which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So the law wasn't given." so that everyone could obey all these laws and they'd earn a right standing with God. They said here. They couldn't do it. Their fathers couldn't do it. The yoke was too heavy. The burden was too much. It wasn't the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to reveal that we're lawbreakers. Amen? We're lawbreakers. We don't, if you meet somebody, I know you have, I know Laura told me she has before, and others have told me you have, that they believe they keep all the law. And they're absolutely deceived because the purpose of the law was to show you you can't. The purpose of the law was to show you you are a lawbreaker. You are you are, you are a fallen in your sinful condition until you receive Christ, and he does something about that through the work of grace. That's the purpose of the law, is to reveal something to us, not to show us, like, look how good I am. That's what Paul was talking about. Where's the room for boasting? When you think you keep all the law, you're going to be a boaster and a bragger about your righteousness because you're going to think, I'm the best Christian I know. <laughs> and guess what? You need a dose of grace and revelation of Jesus Because Jesus is the best Christian we know Amen And he's the only best one that we know So uh, Peter said it was unbearable He said he couldn't keep it No one could keep it The weight was too heavy he couldn't, His fathers couldn't do it So they, they, uh, they didn't really The Pharisees and many Israelites believed that they kept all the laws Just like you have friends that, you, that think that they do But they couldn't do it and uh, they, actually, what they do, they modify, they change these laws to make them easier, to make them simplified, or oh, God must have meant this, or God must have meant that. And they change the law to make it easier so they'd feel better about themselves. And you know, Jesus corrected the Pharisees for doing that on many occasions. You probably remember this, okay? Let me show you this in Mark 7. For laying this this is Jesus talking for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his mother or father, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Many things. Not just this one example, not just the two examples. He said, you do many things like this. What he's telling him: you are breaking the law all the time. You're changing it. You're not keeping it. You're modifying it. You're adapting it for different situations. You're not keeping the law. You Pharisees that are the the legalistic ones are going to judge everybody for breaking the law. You yourselves are lawbreakers yourself and don't even know it. And he rebuked them on many occasions with with harsh words. He said, You brood of vipers. You hypocrites. You whitewashed tombs. Inside is full of dead man's bones. He said, You're a father of the devil. (laughs) Imagine being edified by this. Jesus said, You're a father of the devil. What is he saying? You're spiritually dead. You're spiritually dead. You make a covenant, twice as a convert, twice as much of a son of hell as you are. That would be edifying. <laughs> These are strong words, but you know, believe it or not, Jesus didn't hate the Pharisees. He was trying to, like the law, he was trying to reveal to them their spiritual condition, and they need a Savior. But they didn't believe him. They thought, he's the one that wasn't righteous. They thought, he's the one that had demons. This guy needs to be locked away. There's something wrong with this guy. They didn't realize it, but his heart for them was, you need to understand, you need grace. You need God. There's no way you can save yourself. There's no way you can do enough good works or memorize enough scriptures. That you're going to earn something with God. He is just too great. He's just too amazing. So Jesus didn't hate the Pharisees. He, him, like the law, was trying to show them their need for a Savior. Amen? So the Pharisees thought they had earned the right standing with God due to their best efforts in obeying the commandments. And Jesus was like, no, you haven't. You're twice as much of a son of hell. You make one convert twice as much of a son of hell as you are. How would you like to hear that one? But you know what? If it's truth, we need to hear it. Because if they're going to die and then one day go to hell because they haven't received the grace of Jesus or are trying to earn something that Jesus is about to provide for them, they're going to miss it. Amen? And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people... In this region that are missing it, whether they're saved or not, only God knows. They're missing the benefits of sonship. They're missing the benefits of being a daughter with God. They're trying to earn something that God has already provided for them. But they're under the, under the law, they're being taught by pastors with hammers and sledgehammers. And they're beating the sheep with sticks and rocks and beating them. Thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not. And they're not empowering them with what the word of God says. And the, the law says the power of sin is in the law. And the more we preach the law, the more we're empowering our people to sin. It's the grace of God that gets you to, has, gives you the ability to say no to ungodly things. It's not a list of rules. All right? If a list of rules could change us, our, our, our country would probably be one of the holiest nations in the world. You know, maybe, maybe we are, only God knows which one is the holiest. I don't know which one's the most saved. I don't know. But anyway, like for example, there's been a law since the Ten Commandments thou shalt not murder yet the prisons are filled with murderers and there's murderers that go around that don't get caught, Alright, There's laws out there that say thou shall not steal. And it's been around, again, 10 commandments. But people steal and are arrested for stealing almost daily. I can ask Nick back there. he know, um, like they're being arrested for, for stealing and drugs and different things. You can make millions more laws, but guess what? It's not going to change their hearts. The law can't change your heart. The law has something that can reveal what's wrong with your heart, but it can't change your heart, all right? So Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we are conscious of our sin. Yes. So the law is holy, righteous, and good. The law is good for us because it needs to reveal to us what, what our condition was like before we received Christ. Once we receive Christ, there's a new lawyer in town or there's a new sheriff in town. And that captain of our salvation is Jesus. You ever read that in Romans? We call him the captain of our salvation. I love that. I think that's awesome. Andrew Womack says that the Old Testament law was given to show us our sin, not our Savior. Amen. Amen. So I want to show you another purpose of the law. This is found in Galatians 3 24 and 25 says, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, the word tutor there is not the best word in our culture today because um, our, t- our tutors are actually teach people. Their tutor didn't really teach people. Their tutor was responsible to take the child to and from school. So it's probably more like our bus drivers today in America. You know, the bus driver's in charge on the bus, but once you get to school, you hand those kids off, you're like, all right, another day they're off the bus. Buses are crazy, man. You guys ride the bus? <laughs> I mean, I, my, all my kids and I they hated the bus ride. They beg us to drive them to school because stuff happens on the bus. It just is not good. And there's only one adult on the bus and a lot of crazy kids sometimes. But anyway, that bus driver's in charge while they're on his bus or her bus. But once they get to school, someone else is put in charge. Okay? And this here is showing you that the law had a time limit until somebody, until somebody comes. What do you say? Till faith has come. And once faith has come, then they're no longer under this tutor, under the bus driver. They're now in the school. And I want to tell you, once Christ has come, you're now in the school of faith. You get off the tutor, off the bus ride, you're in the school of faith, and now you have a new one in charge of you, and it's Christ, not the law. Amen? It's a tutor to bring you to Christ. It was a bus driver to take you there. Because as you try to obey all the law in your own efforts, you're going to get frustrated and frustrated and angry, and you're going to realize, I can't do this. And guess what? When you get to that place, it's the best place you could ever be because that's when you realize you need a Savior, is Jesus. And that's a tutor doing his job. It brought you to that place, amen? So in the same way, Galatians 3.25 said, But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Well, the question is, has faith come? How are we saved today? We're saved by faith, by grace, but in faith, right? So the law or our tutor took us to school. Once we arrived again at the school of faith, we are no longer under the supervision of the tutor. We're under the supervision of Christ. The supervision of Christ is better. Amen? You guys okay? So I hope you see that because God designed the law with a certain purpose in mind. And the law works. It does exactly what's intended to do. But it's not supposed to be used to be a hammer to beat you down. It's not supposed to be a hammer to tell you you're not good enough. You're not my son. You're not my daughter. You're not this. You're not that. You're useless. You're worthless. You're no good. You can't even do this right. You can't even do that right. That is not the law. That is, that is not what God's purpose of the law was, and that's not what preaching is supposed to be about. Preaching is supposed to to build you up in the most holy faith, teaching you the things of God, who you are in Christ, who God says you are now. It's supposed to be transforming you from, from death into life, not beating you down. So all of us have been beaten down at times, but praise God, you don't have to anymore. If you ever hear on TV or radio or anywhere else someone who's beating you down and you're using the law like a hammer, you need to change the channel. Because it's not for you, children of God. Nobody grows grows up by abuse. They grow up in love and counsel. And, and uh, you know, the Holy Spirit will correct us, absolutely, but he'll never condemn you. He'll never make you feel guilt, condemnation, or shame. He'll come alongside you and say, now son, daughter, listen, I think we, should, we could change this up some. And he'll empower you. His grace empowers you. And he'll speak it to your heart and you don't feel condemned when he does it. Have you experienced that? Anybody? Three or four? Some of you? Yes. He does it often. And it could be a correction. It could be you say, you need to talk to your wife better. Or you need to talk to your husband better. or It could be any topic or whatever. But you never come away feeling like, oh man, I am just no good. I am never going to get this right. When he says it to you, it's like right here. And he's like, you can do it, son. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. You might blow it again. It's okay. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. That's the power of grace. It enables you. It doesn't just tell you what not to do. It says, hey, let's do this right and let's do it together. Amen? So, Galatians 3.19 says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was, is added because of tra- transgressions or sin, till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through an angel, through angels, by the hand of a mediator. So again, we see a time limit on the law. We saw it through the tutor, and now we see it here again. It was put in charge. It had a time limit until the seed should come. Well, did the seed come? Amen. Who's the seed? It's Christ, right? And the promise made was talking about the promise made in Galatians three fifteen, all the way back in the garden, immediately after the fall. Three fifteen, God said, "And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Not seeds, plural, but seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." And Jesus, this prophecy about a future day was talking about one day. There's gonna, we're going to send a seed on the earth, and that seed is going to make up for what happened in the garden. He's going to pay you back, devil, of what you did here today. You're to stomp your head in the ground so hard he's going to bruise his own heel. And that's exactly what happened to the devil. Jesus stomped his head so hard in the ground he bruised his own heel. He's been stomped. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So who's that seed? It's Jesus. And did he come? Yes. Then the time of the law is up. Amen. It's up for those that are in Christ. For those that are not in Christ, the law is still uh, serving its purpose in their life to help bring them to the place, the, the tutor, to help bring them to Christ. So the law is still important in the world. It's still important on the earth, especially those that aren't saved. We still need that law to help as a tutor to bring them to Christ. No one has to tell me anymore, thou shall not murder. I don't have murder in me. I don't have to tell me not to steal. I don't, I, there's no stealing in me. No one has to tell me don't lie. There's no lying in me. It's it's been removed and taken away. That sin nature has been taken away. I've now the nature of Christ on the inside of me. And you do too. And the more we recognize and acknowledge what God's already put in us, the more it's freely gonna flow out to other people. Amen. Amen. We're under a better one. Listen to Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary. He says this. Moses, the lawgiver, cannot bring us into the heavenly Cana though he can bring us to the border. At that point, he is superseded by the true Joshua, and Joshua's name means Jesus. If you look it up, it's really awesome. Who leads the spiritual Israel into their inheritance. The law leads us to Christ, and there its office ceases. I think that's word, word is so good. You guys need me to read it again? Do you get it? All right, okay. Moses, the lawgiver, cannot bring us into the heavenly Cana, though he can bring us to the border, which is exactly what Moses did. Remember, he couldn't enter the promised land. At that point, he is superseded by the true Joshua, who leads the spiritual Israel into their inheritance. The law leads us to Christ, and there its office ceases. Okay? If you are in Christ, you are not under the law anymore. You're under grace. The, the whole New Testament is about this. Read it. Hebrews, Galatians, Romans, The whole th- the, everything Paul wrote is telling them, you are not under law anymore. Not just the Ten Commandments, or not just the Mosaic laws, or not just the ceremonial laws. You're not under any of it anymore. You're under Christ. You're un- He's in you, you're in him, and you are now one with Christ. He was joining us with the Lord's one spirit with God. Amen. Amen. God, it says he wrote his law in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Not on tablets of stone, but in your hearts. You know what you should and shouldn't do without reading it in a book. Even those who never heard the gospel, it says in Romans, they are without excuse. They know just by the beauty of creation there's a God. Amen? It's in our hearts now. So the law was intended to be used like a compass and not a hammer. And praise God, uh, you are not under the hammer anymore. Amen. And if the hammer's taught here, I'm going to graciously ask somebody, whoever they are, to loo, because it's not for you. Amen. And I hope your spirit man gets to discern it and pick up on it when someone's trying to put you under the law, because that's what the whole book of Galatians was. Well, he said, Who's bewitched you? Did you receive the spirit by your works of the, obeying the law, or did you receive the spirit by faith in what Jesus did for you? Okay? There's a whole book of Galatians about that. And for them, Many of them were uh, were tricked by these people that came from James. Anyway, you can go back and read that. But the power, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The more the law is preached to you, the more you're going to sin. It's just the truth of it. It's what it said. The power of sin is the law. Before the law was in the world, there was no sin. All right? So, again, that is the purpose of the law. So, I want you to notice something that's very important to know, that God found fault with the first covenant. God found fault, okay? Hebrews 8, 7 says, for in if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Which, what is it saying? He found fault with it. He made it. He designed it. He found fault with it. Do you know what the fault was? It was us. <laughs> it wasn't the law. It was us. There was something wrong with us. It was some fault with us. Let me show you this. Hebrews 8, or, excuse me, Romans 8, 3. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did, by sending his own son. See, the law couldn't do something, but God did something, all right? And it's by sending his son in his own flesh, uh, uh, of a sinful flesh, to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh. The law was weakened by your flesh and my flesh. It was weakened by our sinful nature and condition. That was what the fault God found with it. It's because of us, Right? But he was, part of his plan was for this. So people uh, were weakened due to their sinful condition, and there was no way of satisfying or obeying all of the first covenant. There was no way. So God did something about it. So first, God found fault with it. And second, we see the law was powerless to do something. Okay? It's important to remember that. It's powerless to do something. The law was power, what, what was the law powerless to do? The law was powerless to change your hearts. The law had zero power to change your hearts, or my heart, or the Jews' hearts. It it wasn't what it was designed to do. The law, uh, it could help modify some behaviors for some, but it could not change our hearts. Again, we can make millions of more laws in America, both this, that, and other, and it will not change more people's hearts. It's just going to make us become more lawbreakers. You know, all of us, a bit all of us. If you're on a back road at night, maybe I'm confessing right now, I don't know. And, uh, and the speed limit says this, but you really want to get home, you might go a little faster. Well, guess what? You're breaking the law. You're probably not going to go to jail over it unless you're being real crazy. But uh, there's laws that are there, and guess what? When there's laws there, sometimes we break them. We get, we judge in our heart which ones are the important ones and which ones aren't, right? But we can come up with thousands of new laws, but it's not going to change our hearts. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts. God changed our hearts. The Word of God changed our hearts. So... Uh, I want to read this to you in Colossians 2. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. What's he referring to? He's referring to the law ceremonies, which all concern things which uh, perish with their using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion False humility and neglecting of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. The law has no power to deliver you from sin. The law has no power to help you in the indulgence of your flesh. The complete Jewish version says, but they have no value at all in restraining people from indulging in their old nature. And the New Living Translation says, but they, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. The law can't do that because it, was, it wasn't designed to do that. It wasn't the purpose of the law. It's like using a hammer or a shovel for the wrong thing. It was designed to reveal our nature, reveal what's wrong with us, not to, not to fix these problems. So the law was designed to reveal our need for help, not actually to help us. Okay? All right, let me show you this in Romans 8.3. It says, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by this flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemns sin in the flesh or condemned sin in his flesh. Again, the law could, could point out our faults. It could point out what's, where we're falling short, but it had no power to help us in that at all. You know, when so many churches are preaching the law, I think if I just preach this more, then more people are going to get saved. More people are going to get their lives transformed when the law doesn't have the transformation power to do it. It's not in the law. Let me show you where it's in. in, uh, It shows it very clear in Acts 13, 38 through 39. I love these two verses. It says, Therefore let it be known to you brothers that through through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, not the law. And through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which they could not be freed through the law of Moses. I want us just to look at this for a little while to see this. Through him, that's Jesus, uh, we have preached the forgiveness of our sins. And through him, everyone who believes in him has the power to be free from all things which you could not be free from under the law of Moses. All things. All things. The law didn't have power to deliver you from addictions. The law didn't have power to deliver you from sin or addictions to pornography or alcohol or drugs or anything. The law had no power. It had power to show you there's something wrong there. but had no power to deliver you. Christ, through preaching of Jesus, he is what frees you from that thing. It frees you from all the things that were under, you were under bondage with the law. So even though many people have good intentions by preaching the law and they think it's going to help people, really it's hurting them because they haven't had a revelation of the true knowledge of the grace of Jesus and what he came to do. He came to free you from everything you were bound to before. Everything. All things. Everything. It's going to come through the preaching of Jesus, not the preaching of the law. Amen? Now some of you I know know this. But it's a good refresher for us because we all have a temptation in our own nature to uh, because our even our culture is like that. We're rewarded by hard work, rewarded by this and that. With the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. You're rewarded by what Jesus did for you. And now you do things out of the overflow of your heart because God changed your heart. Those works flow from your heart, not to earn something, but as gratitude and love of God. It's just like, I want to do this for you, God, because I love you. Not because you're trying to earn something from Him. Amen. So I'm going to close with this. I'm going to try to close with this because I, can, I think of all these different ways I can go off in this message in different ways. But Colossians 2.14 says, Having canceled the written code. What was the written code? It was the law. With its regulations that was against us and it stood opposed to us, he took it away and nailing it to the cross. He took away the law and he took away our sin at the cross. Remember, it says through Jesus has preached the forgiveness of your sins. He took all of your sins away. And you know, I shared this, um, I don't know, so many weeks ago, that you're not going to grow spiritually at all, this is in 1 Peter, unless you truly believe your sins have been taken care of. It says you'll be barren, it says you'll be fruitless, you'll be unproductive of the things of God, unless you truly believe you are forgiven. This is Christianity 101, and when you preach law, instead of preaching Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins, you are never going to fully convince that your sins have been forgiven. They're already paid for. They were paid for before you even walked on this planet. Before your mother walked on this planet. Your sins and your lawless deeds, the Bible says, he will remember no more. Amen. 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 Now I know that's profoundly different than a lot of ways people think. But I'm telling you, if you want to be like Christ, we've got to think like him. And if we can't keep asking him to do something, that he's already done. Because It isn't going to work, amen. So um, I'm going to skip some of this and go down here at the bottom. I think you guys are maxing out on me. And I'm basically making the same point in like four or five different ways. Hope you're getting it. I am doing it intentionally because this is so important to know. Because if you don't know that you're, you're if you still think you're supposed to be under the law or even a mixture of this, you're not going to fully embrace and experience the love and grace of Jesus. And you're going to say, well, yeah, Jesus did this for me to hear, but now from here to eternity, it's on me to do everything else to keep him happy. And I'm telling you, if that's what you believe, you don't really know God. That's not why he came. That's not what he did. That's not why the law was there. That's not the law was never intended to make someone righteous. Never intended to make someone have right standing with God. Jesus came to give us right standing with God as a gift. And through faith in Him, through preaching of Him, we receive forgiveness. It's through preaching of Him we get free from all the things we were bound up in before. It's through preaching Christ, Amen, not the law. So, I want to read this verse to you one more time. Oh, let me see this first. In the new covenant. The law has nothing to do with your righteousness. You know, in some churches, you might be thrown out for saying that. But I'm just telling you, it's a revelation of Christ. In In the New Testament, the law has nothing, zero, to do with your righteousness. Amen. And Jesus has everything to do with your righteousness. Amen. Not your behavior, not because you teach Sunday school, not because I said yes to preaching. Uh, you know, I have to believe God like everyone else has to believe. And I'm just in the office that he asked me to be in no different than what you guys are doing so i don't earn anything with god you don't earn anything with god he paid for it for you because he is your father and he wants to give his children good things amen Uh, let me read this one more time therefore let it be known to you brothers that through him that's jesus forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you hallelujah it's proclaimed to you or preached to you through him and through him Everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Amen. Let's not use the law like a hammer. Don't listen to that. It's not going to help you grow. It doesn't have the power to help you grow. It has the power to bring you to the faith school. And that faith school is a school of Christ, where you believe what he says about you is true. And that's when you start growing in the grace of knowledge of Jesus. You know, I tried to obey all the law. I was reading through the Bible in college, and I started to write down, started in Genesis, started to write down, every thou shalt not, or don't do this and don't do that. I had this big list. And after I got, I don't know, so many pages in, I was like, my gosh, I'm, I'm, my list is going to be longer than the Bible. Like, it just, because my handwriting was bigger, and it was, it was getting this thick documents of stuff. And I was getting more and more frustrated, like, I can't do it. Not even realizing, like, that was the purpose of the law, because I, I didn't have anyone telling me that. I didn't have any Womack teaching that back then. Anyone else teach me that? I was just like, I can't do this. So what I do, I just quit and gave up, because I, I guess I'm just not going to be good enough. And then I just had to be like, well, I guess uh, I hope I'm good enough so that God will receive me, and I hope maybe I can get to heaven when I die. Maybe I just do enough good things, and maybe my good works outweigh my bad works, and maybe I can go to heaven. And what kind of relationship is that with God? What kind of relationship would that, if, if that was your relationship with me, that you had to do enough good things to be around me, and if you didn't do enough good things, I'd be like, man, get out of my face. Get out of my church. Get out of my, get away from me. You're not, you're not kind enough to me. You don't do enough good things for me. It wouldn't be very much a relationship, would it? It would be one-sided. It's a slave mentality. Yeah. And God wants a slave mentality out of the church, and he wants the sonship and daughtership mentality be in the church, because that's who we are. We're sons and daughters of God. He gave us the right to be sons and daughters of God. Amen. So I went through this list, wrote down all I could, and after a while I gave up. And it wasn't until, I don't know, I was married with kids. I don't remember what year it was. Debbie gave me Destined to Reign was when it first started for me that I was like, my gosh, I've been slaving all these years just like the oldest son, trying to get something from God, when all the while he had already given me everything that he has through faith. If I wanted to work for it, I'm not going to get it. If I want to receive it by grace and faith, I can have everything he has. He says everything he has is ours. All things he provided for us through life and God has been provided for us through Jesus. All things. And uh, those verses I just would just skip over because it made no sense to me. Because I'm thinking, like the oldest son, like, you having not given me a goat. What you talking about? I, I, I've been working all these years. I've got nothing. And you know what? The slave son is always going to persecute the, the free son. And when we're in slavery, under the bondage of the law, we're not going to receive things. I'm telling you, I've grown more accidentally than I ever did in Bible college and all those years of studying and writing down all those verses, trying to obey all these different things. I grew more accidentally than I ever did when I was trying so hard. And it was just by resting in, man, God really loves me. He already paid for this. So I just want to tell you guys, if you, if you feel like God hasn't answered your prayers, if you feel like that He doesn't hear you when you pray, you may have a little bit of slavery in your heart. A little bit of law residue in you from your upbringing where you heard preached growing up. And it has to be removed because you're not going to receive anything from God except through faith and by grace. Amen. That's how we receive. The son receives. this. I'm going to show this from Galatians 4 in some week coming up. It's, God's showing it to me. I don't have it written yet, but it's showing me in Galatians 4. The, son doesn't re- the, the slave doesn't receive things from God. It's the son who receives things from God.